Welcome into another edition of Inside Carolina's post-game podcast, sponsored by Johnny T-Shirt and Congruity. Congruity HR certainly a spot for your small or mid-sized business to get a free assessment if you're an Inside Carolina listener at congruityhr.com slash Tar Heels. Free assessment, do all that stuff, and let them see what they can do to help you. And of course, Johnny T-Shirt, our go-to spot for Tar Heel swag. Sort of a hybrid show tonight, the post-game slash shooting it straight with Justin Jackson. Dewey Burke and I, I guess we'll say we're the JV game of this post-game pod, Dewey. Um, but I wanted to get you in, and um, many thanks to John Bowman and Justin for letting us come in. Since it's before the holidays, we can uh, get you in, you know, and, and leave in a holiday spirit. Carolina, 81-69 over Oklahoma. Dewey, I... Opening thoughts here. I thought Carolina just looked significantly better than they had the last two games. They did. We talked about at the end of the last podcast how it was one they had to have uh, just from the player's perspective going home for Christmas off a loss is terrible. And so I'm happy for them. Uh, I thought right out of the gate they were much more active defensively, uh, just even moving their feet. Just the way their bodies looked was was a little different, was elevated. Uh, I didn't think we switched quite as much. We fought over some ball screens and, and stayed with our guy in a couple of different spots where uh, in the Kentucky game, we just switched everything, which we talked about ad nauseum. Um, I think that helped. I, I also have to make the comment that Oklahoma plays more of a one-on-one type style, spread and go. Whereas Kentucky, even with the athletes, Calipari has always had those guys typically uh, playing a good motion offense and screening and moving uh, to, to get to the switch they wanted. So uh, I thought we switched a little less. We still struggled some on the glass, gave up more offensive rebounds than we got, uh, but made timely shots, played hard. Cormac was great with his effort. I thought Seth Trimble was great. I even thought Zayden High gave us good minutes, even though it's not going to show up in the stat sheet. And then, you know, <laughs> We've arguably got the best guard in the country right now with the way he's playing, at least on the offensive end. Uh, Three-level scorer, uh, incredibly confident. And, uh, yeah, I mean, they cut it to five, and we run a great set for RJ to get that three, and he drills it. Big-time shot, big-time execution, and he right now is a big-time player. Um, Yeah. He is certainly rolling 23 tonight. Seven for 18. He likes that 18, 15, 18 shots a game. And when you're putting up 20 plus, 23 tonight, five assists, no turnovers against Oklahoma. You mentioned Oklahoma getting some offensive rebounds, a stat of note that is completely different than we saw, um, especially against Kentucky. They had 11 offensive rebounds in the official stats. They only had two second chance points. That is a big deal. I tweeted it. It I believe it. I want your take here, Dewey. I think defensive rebounding is giant in basketball. I mean, if guys are going to make shots at their rear end, like a team like Villanova did or a team like UConn did or even Kentucky did, then you just tip your hat. But when they're making shots after getting offensive rebounds, that's what gets you beat um, by teams that maybe you shouldn't lose to. Carolina gave up the offensive rebounds, only second two second chance points. What did you see as far as why the rebounding um, in critical moments I felt like was important? 
Um, was it the switching? Was it the effort? Was it a combination of everything? Guys just look more engaged tonight across the board. You mentioned High and Washington and all these guys. It just looked like a, a unified group, which is a good tell after coming off two losses. Yeah, look, they just played harder. You know, their effort was better. Um, but giving up offensive rebounds is, it, to me, it does two things. Uh, one, uh, it means you didn't finish the possession. I mean, that was actually quite often a thought for the day or an offense or, uh, offense, or excuse me, defensive emphasis, finish the possession with a box out. Like I can hear Coach Williams and Coach Robinson saying that, finish the possession with a box out. Uh, so when you don't do that, you, you obviously have to then go defend for another 20 seconds, which sucks. Um, but it's incredibly deflating uh, if you've worked that hard to get them to take a contested shot and then to not ultimately win the possession with a box out and a rebound. It's just mentally is really tough to to go back and have to guard again. And so, I, I, you know, I think their effort was better. We still gave up too many offensive rebounds, but it didn't lead to a lot, which is the point you were making. Um, I, sidebar, I'm not certain that's the number seven team in the country. Um, they didn't impress me like a top 10 team typically would. Um, maybe I'm wrong. Let's see where it shakes out. But right now it's a good quad one win. Uh, but we got plenty to work on felt like we could have beat them by 25 and then every time we got it to 12 or 14 they made a run and then got it close there uh, when it really probably shouldn't have been uh so plenty to work on but uh absolutely had to have it and i thought our effort and togetherness defensively uh with less switching was better tonight yeah, definitely had to have it. Could not go into the Christmas holiday down three or with three straight losses. And then you have that one with Charleston Southern next week, late next week. And then you also have three straight ACC games on the road. Um, I see Justin Jackson has joined the waiting room. And I've got a question for both of you. So, Justin, can I pull you in here and ask a question for – let me ask a question for both of you guys. And, again, this is the post-game podcast, and we're going to give way to the – varsity game of uh shooting it straight here in a minute but justin and dewey both <laughs> dewey you're the point guard justin you're the shooter a couple things they talked about debbie antonelli when she wasn't pulling for oklahoma was made a couple points hitting a shooter in the right spot dewey from the point guard position how important is that and how key is that from a point guard and then justin i want you to follow with being a shooter and catching the ball where you can, you don't have to do anything else. There's no other wasted motion. How important is that? Do we go first? Yeah, what came into my head when you when you asked that question was two things: is one the responsibility of the point guard or the or the penetrator to hit the shooter in his shooting pocket to be ready to catch and shoot. And uh, and I remember doing drills when we would go post perimeter. Justin will remember this. Or like if you did get a bad pass, we were we were instructed not to shoot, right? Like take a gather dribble, and if the shot's still there, take it. Otherwise, move the ball. And then the other side of it is when you're the Justin in your example, like I can hear Coach Rob in the, my head, get your work done early, get your work done early. Like being prepared to catch and shoot as RJ was on that possession that they talked about when Cadeau put it right in the pocket. So uh, both guys play a part in that. Uh, the pass needs to be accurate. And then the shooter, 
the way we were coached, uh, certainly has to have gotten his work done early, being ready, hands up, down, ready to catch and fire because the the window, and Justin can tell you even more now, you know, having been in the NBA, the window, that closeout happens so fast. Um, and so if you're not ready, the shot doesn't go. Yeah, Justin, get in here. I saw that. There was one earlier or at some point in the game where it may have been Ingram or maybe it was Cormac Ryan that was open. The pass wasn't there to win the closed. Um, and then to Dewey's point, the shot by RJ. Just speak to that aspect of it being a shooter. Yeah, I mean, everything that Dewey says is exactly right. Um, you know, the, the cliche word is that the passer makes the shooter. Um, so I think, you know, it, I think for me as a shooter, you know, going back to what you're talking about with Coach Rob, a big thing for shooters is to always be ready to shoot at all times, whether it is a bad pass, whether it's a good pass, you know, somebody, especially somebody like RJ or Cormac or guys like that at all times being ready to shoot. Um, Cause when you have a guy like Elliot, who's really all he's looking to do is try to play, make and, you know, get guys open, get guys, good looks. If you're always ready to shoot, you're going to always have a shot with Elliot on the floor. So, yeah, I think, everything that Dewey just said is exactly right. And then it's even more on the shooter just to be ready. Cause there's even a lot of times when point guards might make an unbelievable pass. And if the shooter's not ready, like you said, that window is going to close because, you know, you play at this high level, even, even this high level of college games that they've been playing, especially here recently, those guys close out way faster than a team that, you know, you might play in an exhibition game or whatever it might be. So being ready to shoot and, you know, if you do get that thing on the laces or whatever it is, the way that you like to shoot it, then just letting it ride. It is. A... I, I would tell you, Tony, or uh, Tony, Tommy, uh, not to interrupt, but I, Justin, of anybody I can remember that played for coach, probably was ready to catch and shoot and got it off quicker. Like, of the greatest shooters we had, you know, Rashad was one of them but he didn't get it off super fast. Wayne got it off quick, but not as quick as just like Justin got it, catch and shoot and ripped faster than anybody maybe we've had. And so you're, you're asking the question of the right person, um, especially Justin, your last year when you really shot it great when we went and won it. I mean, you got that thing off so quickly, um, but, but never rushed. My question for you is I feel like, uh, Cormac, who is our designated shooter outside of RJ, I feel like he's in a in a touch of a rush on some of his catch and shoots right now. I think he wants it so bad, and it, <laughs> there's a little bit of pressing there. Um, and I know he shot it better against Kentucky, but um, you went through that, right? I mean, you you had some some struggles shooting, and then obviously your junior year, you were you were as good as it could ever be. Your thoughts on that with Cormac? I think it is tough as a shooter whenever you start off kind of a rough, you know, you have a rough spell there for a little bit because you do want that next one to fall so bad, um, especially when the ball just keeps finding you. You know, it's like, okay, this one's falling, this one's falling, this one's falling, and it's just not. So you start to just put more pressure on yourself that you don't need. Um, I think in these last two games when you watch Cormac's success that he's had, he has kind of taken – one extra second, right? When he catches the ball, it's not like, a, you know, people call it catch high, shoot high. There's a lot of times whenever you would see in the beginning of the season, he would catch it from anywhere and just let it ride from right there as opposed to, you know, getting into his rhythm that he always has, um, 
doing the same mechanics. It seems like it seems like at times he because he's rushing it, he just doesn't shoot it the same every time. Um, so I think that's kind of what it is. I think he just for a while he just wanted it, like you said, he wanted that next one to fall so bad. And you know now that he's kind of taking his, you know he's taking his time. At the end of the day, if he just plays off of R.J. Harrison Mondo, he's gonna get open looks, right? And so take that extra second, shoot it in rhythm because we've seen what happens whenever he shoots that way. He's a knockdown shooter. So I think these two games were big for him whenever it came to that, just finally seeing it fall through, but also kind of seeing the rhythm that, you know, he has to play with and how he can shoot the ball and, you know, things like that. So that was good to see. Carolina gets a important win heading into the holiday, 81-69. Like we talked about earlier, probably could have been a bigger win, uh, but, you know, to get a double-digit win against a previously undefeated team, even though I agree with you, Dewey, they didn't appear to be that good. Certainly not <laughs> UConn the level. Same thing. Even yeah, though same UConn thing. got whipped tonight by Seton Hall, but not on UConn's level, I don't even think on Kentucky's level. Um, but, of course, Carolina still has to handle business, and they did that. I'm going to ask one last question of Dewey and then step aside for shooting it straight with Justin Jackson and John Bowman. And you guys both can chime in on this. Dewey, as a player team, how difficult is it to stop an opponent's run down the stretch? And I'll add this into it. We talk about timeouts a lot with Roy Williams, and Hubert's been more generous in using them. But talk about that aspect of it too as well, not only getting stop on the court, but sort of using the clock and the timeouts to slow down a run when an opponent gets on one. Yeah, you know, it's interesting to think about this. So we try to play with pace. When Justin played, when I played, we played so fast. And so then if you have a nine-point lead with three minutes to go, it is a little odd to all of a sudden, like, stop running and run sets and try to get baskets that way. Uh, I think this year's team, more than last year's team, is trying to play with pace. Um, and so there is a there's an incongruity there with – Hubert and for us, Coach Williams, like screaming run at the top of their lungs for 37 minutes. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, now we got a run clock. So that that's that's odd because you're not used to really playing that way. Um, and so I, and, and I see the comments people are saying, well, we're playing not to lose instead of playing to win. Like, I don't think it's that. I just think it's we're all of a sudden slowing tempo down and trying to find a good shot in a against the set defense and we're trying to get RJ to have that shot. And then they started doubling every ball screen on him. And the doubler was Armando's guy who's six eleven, and RJ small. And so like the, the possessions became discombobulated. So they have things to work through there with late clock decision-making because, you know, we, we don't have, I mean, Elliot could be this, but we don't have a guy like Ty Lawson, that you just throw it to them and like, hey, just spread it out and go. They can't guard you. Um, we don't necessarily have that on this team. So over to Justin, but that those are my thoughts. Yeah, I mean, it, it's so tough because, like you said, when you play fast all game and then all of a sudden it comes down to crunch time and you pull the reins – it is tough to find that balance of, okay, still be aggressive, but also try to use clock on the shot, you know, try to use the shot clock as much as you possibly can. Um, I, I think for me, my motto is always just to be aggressive, you know, especially in a game like that, 
you know, they were up double digits basically the whole game. You've got a team now, you know, the last three minutes, Oklahoma is going to be extremely desperate. So they might just randomly jump, you know, jump a ball screen or they might randomly just switch and you're not ready for it. So for me, it's, it's, I've always been uh, a supporter of just playing aggressively. And, you know, once you get down to like a minute and a half, two minutes, then it's like, okay, let's bring it down. Let's try to execute. Let's run something to get a good shot. Um, but it's just tough. Like you said, like all of a sudden it's, you know, hold on, pull it out, pull it out, pull it out. And you're dribbling the ball. And then all of a sudden it's a set defense that's playing probably harder than they've played all game because they know it's the last push that they can make. So, um, you know, like you said, it's for me, when I look at, you know, end of game or, you know, playmaking situations at the end of the game, I like the ball in Harrison's hands, me personally, just from a size aspect. Um, you know, you see him throughout the game, whether it's making plays out of the post or it's him being a trail guy going into some sort of action and kind of being that trigger type of guy, just his size makes it causes issues. And, you know, obviously Elliot can pass the ball, but he's small as well. So, you've got two small guards that you're trying to make in the playmakers at the end of a game when they can really focus in on them. And that's going to be difficult. So for me, whenever I look at the end of games, I love seeing the ball in Harrison's hands. And if, you know, for me, it's like, okay, if, if he's not able to do that, then now let's get it back to RJ. Let's see if we can get something going, but him having the size to get downhill or to make passes over defenses is, is big for me when it comes to the games. Dewey, you mentioned, Lawson, I mean, Lawson was a bucket waiting to happen. And Carolina doesn't have that. Cadeau had a couple of opportunities, I felt, that he could have gotten in the lane, gotten to the basket. They're not really giving you those foul calls anymore. Down, you know, And you got to be strong enough to get it to the basket and get it up on the rim. And, and Cadeau's not quite there yet, but he does. You know, He's got all the other qualities, but Lawson was certainly on a different level. And we're talking with Dewey Burke, Justin Jackson here, post-North Carolina beating Oklahoma. John Bowman, producer John, sitting in the wings. Um, let me ask a question before we get out of here, Dewey, and let them have their show. And it's it's a sadder thing, but I, I want to get a for, couple former players' takes. Eric Montrose, of course, passed away. And um, it bothers me on a few levels. But uh, anyway, I wanted to get your thoughts on Big E. You didn't play with him, but he was certainly around everywhere up there. And Justin, you're next, so – Give me a story coming up here. I mean, just a, such a – it bothers me because when I see 1971 to 2023, I was born in 71, and we were at Carolina at the same time. Um, just speak to that, Dewey. Yeah, super emotional. Um, I've said to a couple people this week that I talked to about it that uh, perhaps – the most beloved former player of any of the guys that I ever interacted with. I mean, um, just universally loved uh, and rightfully so, because he was an absolute gentleman. Um, I never heard him say an unkind thing. Um, Well-documented everything he did for the Rams club and for Children's Hospital, um, he was as good a guy as everyone is saying he was. Uh, and so this one really hit hard for like every generation. Um, and uh, it's, 
I think about his kids. I remember coaching his son at camp. Um, it's, it's a really, it's like one of the hardest ones you can draw up. It's like, if it almost feels similar to when coach Smith died, like if he's not like, is that not the ultimate respect? Like that's, that's how it has felt. Like it's, it's very emotional for, I think all of us. Um, and he was that good of a guy. He really was. Justin, a little bit younger on the scale, but Eric, of course, touched a lot of people across a lot. I agree with Dewey. Rare is the person you meet that nobody can say anything negative about. And Eric was certainly one of those guys. Justin, your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, it's um, obviously my thoughts and prayers are with his family. Like Dewey said, he was, I mean, one of the best humans I've ever been around. You know, you, you take obviously all of his accolades and things like that that he accomplished basketball-wise, and he's one of the best to come through North Carolina. But you take that away and you take him just as a human being, as him as the man, and he was one of the best people I've ever been around. You know, for me, I, I always remember whenever we were there, we would always do his camps throughout the summer. And, you know, at the time we would be annoyed um, because it would be an all day type of situation from nine to seven, you know, and it was like, man, as, as a college student, you feel like you have more important things to do. Um, but going back to that kind of camp and having him there, I would do that in a heartbeat, you know, just because of the type of person that he was, the type of love and care that he showed basically everybody that he came into contact with. Um, you know, he's just, he's the best example of a man that you can really find. Um, so, like I said, it's it's a very sad, sad, sad situation, and I hope that, you know, some sort of peace can come over his family for sure. Yeah, everybody talks about the bloody Montrose game and those pictures and those images. Um, I'm not sure they're in the first five chapters of the man's importance to life um, <laughs> that he brought. And, and uh, so with that said, I'm going to bring in John here and, and – turn it over. Dewey, I appreciate you taking the time. Sorry, sorry to take it that way, but I feel like we've got to honor him and talk about him as much as we can. The hat behind me, of course, <laughs> team double zero. And also folks, hug your loved ones. Um, it's the holiday season, but it's never too, never not the time to hug who you love. And, and Eric was one of those guys. So find your loved ones and do it. John Bowman, I'm going to give it off to you and Justin. Dewey, I appreciate it. And Justin, appreciate everything you're doing with John here with Inside Carolina too, man. Y'all show has been epic and look forward to listening the rest of the night. I appreciate y'all for sure. All right. Merry Christmas. I want to give a shout out to Tommy as well. Tommy was on the live show this morning, so he's doing double duty today. So, Tommy, you've earned some rest after waking up for 7 a.m. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm too old for it. I'm going to go take a nap. I, I guess I finally get to bed, but it's it's always fun. And shout out to the Inside Carolina folks. Almost 500 people in here at, at midnight here on a Wednesday ahead of the holiday season. Thanks, guys. Thanks, everything. And do we appreciate it. I'll talk to y'all. What's up, y'all? This is four-time NBA champ Andre Iguodala. Yo, and this is his best friend, the Ohio State legend, Evan Marcel Turner the first. Every Wednesday, we drop a new episode on our show, Point Four. We're talking basketball, business, and all the culture in between. From locker room stories to some basketball analysis from those who've been in the game. Now, it is a do-bet. Do average 29 and 11. God, what it take to be an all-star? A win. Subscribe to Point Forward, the podcast, so you don't miss a thing. All right, Justin, we're going to 
pick things up. Uh, there's a couple more points that we wanted to touch on uh, for this game tonight. This was a huge win for North Carolina. Just to reset things, and I'll pull up our uh, our normal shooting it straight background in just a second. North Carolina defeated Oklahoma 81 to 69 tonight. R.J. Davis led the way for the Tar Heels with 23 points. Armando Baycott added in 14 points. A big night for UNC's two main stars. Let's touch on R.J. for a second, because I feel like he's just been on such a tear recently. What has impressed you most about R.J. Davis's play? I mean, just his, his consistency, man. Um, when you look at this, I mean, that's what, seven games, eight games of 20-plus Um scoring the ball wise and it's been a a pretty decently effective clip and you know i think a lot of a lot of it too is just he's allowing things to come to him there's really not you know i think today you saw a few of his drives towards the end of the game you know they were doing a lot better job of kind of trying to take him out of the game Um, and so some of his drives i think were kind of forced Um, but at the same time he's just kind of letting things come to him you look at that first half the first you know whatever 10 points that he ran off early it was all, it was catching shoots. It was playing off of a closeout. It was playing off of, you know, a drawn up play. Um, and so it's, it's just, it's nice to see him playing at the the pace and the, you know, the consistency that he's playing at right now, because as a score, a lot of times you can just try to force things. Um, and so seeing that for me is, is awesome to see. I mean, he's, he's scoring the ball at a, at a level. I don't think we've really seen on a consistent basis in a while. So, you know, shout out to shout out to RJ for sure. Yeah, another one of UNC's guards tonight, Elliot Cadeau. Let's talk about him a little bit more in, in some more depth. So, Elliot, we know is a, is an amazing passer, um, but tonight on the offensive end, he was two of seven, zero of one from three. He did go three of four from the free throw line, finished with seven points. Um, offensively, what do you think North Carolina needs from Elliot Cadeau, do they need him to score the ball more to maybe look for his shot a little bit more? And I'll bring up George Jenkins's question here um, to kind of speak to this as well. What's the best way to use him in, in the half court? Does UNC need to kind of find more offensive opportunities for Cadeau? I think I think a lot of uh, the, I'll say, issues that Elliot's running into is just not very much experience. You know, I think a lot of times – You've got a guy coming in that was very highly touted. And so fans think that he's supposed to just step right on the floor and it's just going to be a clean transition and he's going to be the perfect playmaker, perfect point guard for this team. And, you know, he should play 30 minutes a game because he's you just can't take him off because he's that good. He's supposed to be a senior in high school and he's a freshman in college that has never played at this level, let alone the gauntlet of schedule that they just played in. Right. I mean, you're playing against some of the best guards and the best teams in the entire country off rip before ACC play even starts. So I think for me, when I watch it, it's just there's a lot of times when it's just, you know, there was a there was a play in there where he he got he came off a ball screen, got a switch against um, a certain player and then like tried to go one on one with them, tried to make multiple multiple dribble moves, tried to spin and spun right back into the defender's chest. And it's just learning that, hey, against a set defense in college, you're not going to be able just to break them down and take them one-on-one every single time. You know, it's 
there's certain things that you have to do first, whether it's get the ball from side to side, run some sort of action, and then you can drive them. Um, so I think that's really all it is with Elliott. Um, so that second part of that question, I really like what Seth is bringing to this team, especially if he's able to knock down something as simple as a corner catch and shoot three, you know, off of a, you know, double team pass out. I love what he's bringing to that because then on the defensive end, he's going to bring a little bit more physicality and athleticism defensively. Um, but at the same time, it's almost, it's almost like growing pains. Elliot's got to, you know, he's got to just learn as he goes and, I think the more that he learns now, especially against this caliber of teams that they've been playing, I think it's going to help them going into the ACC play. And I think it's going to, you know, as tournament, you know, tournament play starts and things like that, I think you're going to see a lot different Elliot that's able to make reads and know where to be aggressive at, where to try to get people involved. And I think it's just going to get better. So right now it's just a matter of kind of just riding with him as he kind of grows and gains experience and is able to, you know, learn as he goes. So I think that's, I think that's the biggest thing for me. Um, you know, we've talked about the bench thing and I think for me, Seth is, Seth has really kind of solidified him as that, you know, I don't know how many minutes, but as that main guy off the bench for me, I think Seth has kind of stamped his, you know, 15 to 20 minutes a game coming off that bench, just from how he has shot the ball consistently, how he's been so stable when he gets into the game. Um, you know, I, I think we just still need to see some extra from whether it's Withers or whether it's, you know, Washington. You know, I think it's just there has to be something else to at least give those main guys a break. Um, if you're expecting these guys to play 38, 39 minutes a game throughout the whole year and still be able to make a playoff or a tournament run in the ACC tournament and March Madness, then it's going to be really hard. So there's got to be some sort of way to – you know, get these guys when they come off the bench to be able to produce some sort of, um, you know, whether it's, you know, getting him, getting Withers and some sort of action where he can be an athlete and he can just go be more athletic than all the other guys on the floor or some way of getting, if Pax is playing, some way of getting him into like a shooting situation or, you know, just trying to get guys to be able to give something so that these other guys, RJ and Mondo and, Cormac, all Harrison, they don't have to put up 38, 39 minutes a game because that's going to be tough. So, you know, I think it's a good sign to see Seth kind of taking that step. Um, now I just I just want to see it from one or two of those other guys coming off the bench. And, you know, I think this team is headed in the right direction. Yeah, one of the guys who did get a little bit more run tonight is Zayden High. Uh, he has not played a ton this season. He logged just two minutes against Kentucky, did not play against UConn. Uh, but tonight he finished with 12 minutes. Didn't have a ton of impact in terms of stats, but you felt his impact on the floor. Mm -hmm. He was hustling. He was kind of doing a lot of the dirty work out there. Justin, what did you see from Zayden specifically? And do you think he can continue to grow into maybe one of those bench roles as the season goes along? Yeah, I've kind of been saying that since, you know, since I was able to practice with them, you know, before the season started. And all he does is play with energy. You know, he had, a, he had a couple different – I think he had a couple fouls in there going for offensive rebounds or, you know, things like that. But those are things that I can live with. You know, like you said, you said it perfectly. You felt his impact, even though it didn't necessarily show up in the box score. You felt his time when he was out there. 
You know, you knew that he was that Zayden was out there on the floor and he was doing something to help the team. And so that's that's really all you can ask from bench guys. You know, and I think that's a testament to him staying ready and being ready for whenever his number is called. Like you said, he didn't play a ton, you know, the last two last two games, but being ready to go play a hard 12 minutes, I think is is for one, it's a it's a sign of it's a different level of maturity, especially for freshmen to be able to stay ready. And then when they get an opportunity to go out there and do whatever they can to help the team. But it also just you just never know when your when your time might come. So shout out to him for staying ready, being ready to, to do something. Like I said, even though it didn't show in the box score necessarily, people felt that he was out there in the game and they knew that he was out there and he caused some havoc and made some plays happen for the team. So that's really all you can ask for for guys coming off the bench. Yeah, speaking of playing with energy and effort, there's one more point I wanted to hit on with fast break points tonight. UNC ended up with, I believe... Uh, and I'm going to double check the number here. Yeah, 23 fast break points. Uh, coming into the game this evening, UNC ranked 111th in the country in fast break points, averaging 12.2 per game. So they eclipsed their number of fast break points tonight. One thing, you know, you can see Hubert Davis all night long. He's saying, push the ball, push the ball, push the ball. How do you think UNC did in attacking on fast breaks tonight and also picking up some easy baskets that came off of uh, turnovers that the uh, defense generated? I mean, I think, you know, it kind of reminded me of whenever I was in North Carolina and how fast we would always play. You know, Dewey had mentioned it even when he was at school. It was, that's all you ever heard from the sideline was go, 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 push, push. And so I just think that's an easy way for guys to get going in a game, right? You don't have to play against a set defense in the half court, especially against these really good teams that, know what they're doing defensively in the half court. You're able to play against people that you basically have them in rotation, you know, to start the shot clock almost because you you're, you get out and, you know, nobody has a man in transition. So one guy might run to one guy, the big might run to a shooter. He tries to run them off. So you're then you're playing in trans, you know, you're playing in rotation, which makes offense so much easier. And it just makes it easier. You're not playing against, you know, body on body. I think the issue that you saw, obviously they, they pulled out the game, but the issue that you saw at the end of the game was they just started blitzing RJ. So that's going to make it either, it's going to make it really hard for RJ to score, or he's going to have to give the ball up to somebody that maybe, you know, you would rather have RJ being in a scoring, you know, situation than, you know, somebody else. So it's tough to play against that half court defense all game long, especially whenever they're able to key in on guys like RJ and, get a double team on Mondo when he gets on the block, you're able just to kind of have them moving around a little bit more. And it makes situations easier to score as opposed to just trying to find anything to get a bucket. Um, so I think obviously it's tough night in night out to play that fast, especially going back to the bench and the high minutes, especially when guys are playing 37, 38 minutes, it's going to be tough every game to play that fast, but I think that's a great way for them to get going throughout the game. You know, the game is, I think you saw it. The game is, is a basketball is such a game of runs, right? Like it felt like North Carolina had the game, you know, in their hands all game long. And then all of a sudden Oklahoma makes a run and gets down to five towards the end of the game. Um, but throughout the game, them playing that fast and getting more possessions and things like that, I think is really what, 
allowed them to score so easily early on in the game. And, uh, you know, hopefully they can take that going into these next games. And, you know, especially when it's, you know, like we talk about these last five, six games that they played against were some of the best teams in the country, you know, obviously no shot and no disrespect to any of the teams in the ACC, but you know, there's, there's a select few that are probably close to that, the level of these teams that they've played against. And so if they can take these things that they did in this game and even things that they did in the Kentucky and UConn game, and they apply it to, you know, their normal every game, you know, situations, I think it's going to make it a lot easier for them. You are listening to a special edition of the Shooting It Straight podcast with Justin Jackson. We are live tonight. It is past uh, midnight on the East Coast. So we appreciate the 384 people who are live watching this uh, with us, uh, taking it in after a big UNC win this evening in in Charlotte. Um, Justin, I want to ask you, one or two more questions here before we, we get out of here. Um, let's kind of take a step back because you just referenced it. UNC has been on such a tough stretch of games, um, and it felt like UNC needed a win tonight uh, to kind of close out this stretch with with a few marquee wins under they, their belt. They got the win against Oklahoma tonight. Obviously, they had the win against Tennessee and Arkansas. Um, so just sort of looking at the whole body of the work uh, from this team so far this season, what stood out to you and, and how would you assess the Tar Heels basically through the end of non-conference play thus far this season? I mean, I think they're in a great place. I mean, you look at it, this, you know, they're right number 11 right now. I think with this win and with, you know, some of these wins to these top 10 teams, they're right back in the top 10 going into ACC play. Um, they obviously have, you know, things that they will need to be very aware of as the season goes on that they learned of themselves through the UConn game, the Kentucky game, you know, some of these games that they, you know, lost early on. But at the same time, like we talked about, it, it's a big thing to play against this level of competition this early on, you know, and it's especially when it's a team that's brand new to each other. You've got, you know, you've got a couple freshmen in there. You've got one freshman that's playing a lot of minutes, um, you know, and it's, it's, it's going to end up being extremely helpful going down the stretch, you know, especially once you start getting outside of ACC play going into the tournament, when you're playing against teams that might play different styles of basketball, that might be more physical, that might have different game plans. So I think this is, I think where they are right now going into ACC play is perfect. You know, obviously you would have loved to get the Kentucky game, the UConn game, you know, you, you can always go back and say, man, I wish we would have gotten that one, but taking that loss, I think was, you know, their last game against Kentucky, I think was big for them because now you can watch film, see what you need to get better at against a team of that caliber playing against UConn and taking, you know, taking that film and breaking that down and looking at, okay, this is what we didn't do. We didn't execute on offense. We didn't defensively, we didn't talk or we didn't rotate the way we were supposed to rotate things like that. Now you can take that going into conference play and now you can just, you know, be who you are going forward. And I think that's going to be huge. I think it's a very underrated thing. I think a lot of times you see a lot of these, these teams play a super weak non-conference schedule. And so then they're not prepared for the the kind of competition that's going to be coming up, you know, through their conference play and throughout the tournament. So I love, I love where they are. I think, you know, I think coach Davis has them going in the right direction. 
I think you're seeing guys get more comfortable with each other. I think you're seeing guys kind of find what their role or their niche is. And at the same time, I mean, honestly, this is RJ Davis has been on a tear that like we talk about, we haven't seen much of, you know, and Mm -hmm. for him to be able to do it against these type of teams, I think just fuels his confidence even more. It gives him the, you know, knowing each and every game where he can be aggressive, where his spots are, how certain defenses might play against him going forward, because you saw a lot of different adjustments in these last few games trying to slow him down a little bit. So now you see a bunch of different ways that they might guard you. So now whenever you go into another game and you see all of a sudden they're blitzing the the ball screen that you're coming off of, now you know instead of maybe going off that ball screen, maybe you hit the big and you come off of it and, you know, we call it get game, but you hit the big and you come off of it now. And now, you know, there's not a set that the big that's guarding the the big that you throw to isn't set. So now you can have different ways of attacking that. So I think that's obviously a big plus. And then you just take all the film, you know, film doesn't really usually lie. So when you, when you're, you sit down and if you're honest with yourselves and, and say, Hey, this is where I could have done better. This is where I did really good at. I think they have the perfect film to be watching going into ACC play. Absolutely. We have one final question here, Justin. This was a a live listener question. It's just too much fun. I I have to ask it here. This is from (laughs) Timothy Phelps. He says, Justin, you are a bucket. What does a player have to do to be a quote bucket? (laughs) Hey, that's a funny, first of all, I appreciate it, Timothy. Um, what do you have to do to be a bucket? I mean, a lot of it just goes to the work that you put in prior to games. A lot of it goes into all the shots that you get, you know, in the off season, all the time that you get extra lifts in, all the extra conditioning, all of the maybe extra film that you might watch, um, all the time that you get shots before and after practice, you know, things like that. Um, you know, that's where really – that comes from because then you have confidence knowing that, okay, Hey, I, I put in all this work. I've shot this shot a ton of times. So now I can just step into it confidently knowing that I'm very capable of making this. And then you start to see shots fall kind of how you're seeing RJ play. You start to see shots fall at a high clip and it's like, okay, well, yeah, this is, this is easy. Like it's flowing. I'm in a rhythm. The game is all about being in a rhythm. So once you get into that rhythm, it's, it's going to be hard to it's going to be hard to get certain people out of that. And so, you know, like I said, I appreciate it. You know, I think there's uh you know, another thing goes back to, you know, who's setting you up for me when I was at Carolina, it was Joel was setting me up. Dio was setting me up. The bigs down lower getting so much attention. So I was getting easy looks, you know, there, it goes back to kind of how your guys are setting you up. And I think, what you're seeing with RJ is you're seeing Elliot be able to set him up at times. You're seeing Harrison. You're seeing obviously the attention that Mondo's getting anytime he gets the ball on the block. So now you're basically playing four on three on the backside every single time. Um, and so, you know, I think that's, it's a combination of things, but you know, once you kind of get that confidence and you have put in that time and the hard work, it sounds so cliche and, you know, people always say, oh, you got to be the hardest worker. But when you really put in the time, you start to see, you know, the fruits from it. So I think it's just the work that you put in is what kind of makes you into that. 
That's awesome. Appreciate you taking the, the live listener questions tonight. Appreciate everyone commenting and, and following along with us. Justin, final thoughts and take us out after the big UNC win this evening. Yeah, I mean, I appreciate y'all. I mean, like you said, it's 12.09. I played a game earlier today, so I'm, you know, I'm a little tired too. I might go lay right back into this bed after this. Um, but I appreciate everybody coming in here, obviously. I think one of these shows, John, I think we might have to just maybe do a live and literally just go down all the questions that the listeners and everybody have because um, y'all got some good ones. So once again, like I'm always going to say, Continue to be a good fan. Everybody hears it. The team hears it. Um, even the coaching staff hears it. Uh, and this team is in a great, great spot, I think, personally. So, um, you know, I think we just got to ride with them. And, uh, you know, once again, I appreciate y'all listening, uh, watching, whatever y'all are doing. We, you know, me and John enjoy getting on here and doing this, you know, every week. So we really appreciate y'all. Um, and yeah, until next time, man, I appreciate it.